Hi, I'm Levi from WCF. Before we get into this episode of Faith Foundations, I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce a few other podcasts in the WCF Podcast Network. I am a co-host on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. Sam Taylor from Cleveland, Ohio, produces weekly devotionals in Pause to Consider. Think Mr. Rogers meets Fireside Chat. I love Sam's humble style, and I think every episode is fantastic. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at wcfoundation.org slash podcasts. Also, did you know that WCF sponsors thousands of meals a month for children in India who are unable to afford any food? Please visit wcfoundation.org for more info and donate if you can. Now, here's the show. If you were asked if you knew of a man called Abraham, you might say yes, Abraham Lincoln. Well, Abraham Lincoln was important, but not nearly so important as the man he was named after, whose name was merely Abraham. Abraham was a Bible character mentioned in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. The story starts about 2,000 years before Christ. The scene is in the city of Ur on the Euphrates River in a country we now know as Iraq. An important city, a city of moon worship. In this idolatrous place, God picked out a man because he found in that man an unusual faith. He was well along in years, about 70, but vigorous and well-to-do. His name was Abraham. In the 12th chapter of Genesis, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Imagine yourself in Abraham's shoes. God had appeared to him. What did it all mean? We probably only know a limited part of the story. However, we do know that he left his city of Ur, and after a period of time, arrived in the land of Canaan, which we now know as Israel. Here God appeared to him again. In the twelfth chapter of Genesis, it's recorded. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. God revealed to Abraham that this was the land he was going to give to him. He was going to give the land to him and to his seed. All that was intended wasn't shown yet and Abraham would have to wait for a more complete understanding. Meanwhile, he wandered around Israel, living extensively in the Negev, and for a while in Egypt. Later on, back in Canaan, as is recorded in Genesis 13, the Lord enlarged on his promise, saying, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever." And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. You know how specific Abraham's information was. He could actually see the land with his own eyes, and he could walk through it. It was literal. It was a land that he was living in. But God had said to him, For all the land which thou seest to thee, will I give it, and to thy seed forever. When God said he was going to give it to Abraham and his seed forever, this must have made Abraham wonder how it was all going to be worked out. 
God appeared several more times to Abraham. These revelations served as a reassurance. He was told that he would inherit this land. However, the fact of the matter was that he didn't own any part of the land. How was the promise to be fulfilled? There was also the problem of his seed or descendant. Abraham was old and he didn't have a son. How could the promise be fulfilled? Finally, when Abraham was very old, he received a revelation from God, which said he would have a child and that this child would be the progenitor of many generations. God told him that he was making with Abraham an everlasting covenant, an agreement to be a God to him and to his descendants forever, and to give him the land of Canaan, a land in which he was a wandering stranger, to him and his seed for an everlasting possession. Abraham then had a child whose name was Isaac, which meant laughter. You can be sure that this son brought laughter to Abraham in his old age, because the promise was now to be fulfilled through this son, Isaac. God then gave Abraham a great test when the child Isaac was but a young teenager. God asked Abraham to take Isaac to the mountains of Moriah, the area where Jerusalem is now built, and there offer his son as a burnt offering. An incredible suggestion to us, and it must have been equally incredible to Abraham. However, doubtless after great soul-searching, he undertook the three-day trip with his son, built an altar where he was instructed, bound Isaac, and took a knife in his hand as if to kill him. But God intervened before Abraham could do Isaac any harm. In Genesis 22, it's recorded that the angel of the Lord confers a great blessing on Abraham because of the amazing faith which he had demonstrated. I quote, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Let's scan back now and look at the promises to Abraham in the light of history. There are some short-term implications to them, and there are some important long-term implications too. On the short term, Abraham was the father of a great nation. That nation was to become the nation of Israel. He is the recognized ancestor of Israel, the nation of Israel which did occupy that land. They were later driven out by war, but in recent times they've come back and now occupy the land again. Today, many Jews base their historical right to the land on the promise that God made to Abraham, that he gave the land to Abraham and to his descendants. So this nation now occupying the land after many years becomes a remarkable confirmation of the Bible, which said that this land was to be given to Abraham's seed. Thus are the short-term natural fulfillments. There is a long-term spiritual fulfillment, which is even more important because it applies to us. In Genesis 13, it says that God would give the land to Abraham and to his seed forever. In Genesis 17, it says that Abraham would have the land wherein he was a stranger for an everlasting possession. The question is, how can Abraham be given the land forever? Abraham is dead. If Abraham is to have the land forever, then everlasting life is involved in this promise. Here is an early indication in the Bible of the hope of everlasting life. The everlasting promise to Abraham can only be fulfilled if everlasting life is involved. Abraham is dead and buried. 
If everlasting life is implied, then a resurrection from the dead is implied. In fact, Jesus, 2,000 years later, used Abraham to prove the resurrection of the dead. Jesus said that God had called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. In other words, in God's sight, Abraham is living because God intends to raise him from the dead. Therefore, the resurrection is proven. This is the reasoning of Jesus very briefly summarized. So the promises to Abraham become a promise of everlasting life. The second implication concerns the place of everlasting life. The promise was clear. Abraham was to inherit the land of Canaan, or the land of Israel, forever. The earth is therefore the place where eternal life will be enjoyed. If Abraham is to receive eternal life on earth, will it not be the same for others? The answer is compellingly so, yes. The promises to Abraham were to apply to his faithful descendants. They would inherit the land also. The promise to Abraham, therefore, involves none other than the establishment of God's great kingdom on earth. Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The promise to Abraham is a promise which extends to us, if we will. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatian church, says that if we are faithful and if we have been baptized into Christ, we inherit these promises too. He says in chapter 3, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So we have seen that the man Abraham was very important for us. Abraham is really the beginning point for a hope which we can share. It was a promise of everlasting life to be found in God's kingdom. The kingdom is the kingdom which was promised to Abraham, the land of Canaan, or the land of Israel, and will be the very headquarters of this kingdom. The promise that God made to Abraham was a promise of everlasting life upon this earth. A promise which was to be fulfilled for Abraham in the very land that he walked around as a stranger is to be fulfilled on the day when God brings back Abraham from the dead. It's a promise for us. It's a promise for the early Christians, like the Apostle Paul, who said that he stood for the hope of the promise which God made to the fathers of old. It is the same hope that the Apostle Paul held namely, the hope of everlasting life through the resurrection. In conclusion, Abraham was an important man. He was an important man because he was a beginning, the beginning of a promise of life for others. Abraham is also important because he is an example to us of faith, a faith that we too should have in God. God called him because of his faith in the first place and gave him the promise of everlasting life because of his faith. We're told that if we have faith in God, we can be considered children of Abraham, his seed, and therefore heirs of the promise as well. So, faith is expected of us, too. Real faith in God. Faith that God is not a God who changes his mind. Faith in a God whose word is unchangeable. We believe that God is faithful, and he will indeed raise Abraham from the dead and give him everlasting life. We believe that we, too, may share with Abraham in the blessings which God has in store for faithful people. So we have a lesson of faith, a lesson which showed Abraham as a man of faith, a lesson which shows that we too, if we will have faith, will share in those great blessings to come when God will visit blessings upon faithful Abraham.